<laughs> hey everybody <laughs> thank you guys for joining in i'm gonna wait a little bit to see who's gonna come in today i'm gonna talk to max fennel if you guys do not know who max fennel is he is the first black male triathlete in the u.s and I wanted to talk about, I'm um, talking to him more about his more recent endeavors as well. <laughs> so he's in here now. Uh, if he can request to come up to join the chat or the live. I'm not sure. But ultimately, I'm excited because I've been trying to talk to him for like a year now. We talked a while ago, but <laughs> there's been a lot of updates. A lot of things have changed. <laughs> Did it work? Hey. hey! There you are. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. hear me? Okay, dope. How are you? I'm pretty good. I got my dog here in my lap, so. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so he might, uh, he might, he's currently doing, he's barking at the door right now, so he might do some barking soon. We'll give him his chance to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching you in your stories uh, of doing archery, uh, hunting. Swimming in cold-ass water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been doing everything outdoors recently. And uh, thankfully, with where I live, uh, I have a lagoon that's like 15 minutes from my house. Uh, <laughs> 15 minutes from my house. So, um, you know, I wanted to, like, I really don't like swimming in the pool. Like, the chlorine um like i just when i get out of the pool like i really feel that chlorine on my skin and it's just like when i swim in this lagoon and it's fresh water and i get out of it it's you know i feel so much better um as well as when you swim in cold water it really challenges your focus yeah yeah that experience yet <laughs> i still haven't swam in open water so <laughs> you live you live by the beach though I know. I mean, I go to the beach. I play at the beach. I mean, I haven't trained to swim in open water. I go for fun. Does that make I, sense? <laughs> I, will, I will say I'm always surprised how people swim in the Pacific Ocean because, like, where I live, like, I've seen, like, orcas, like, right off, like, like right off the shore. And I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I was swimming and there's, like, a big, giant, great white, like, right next to me. <laughs> Not a great white shark. What are they called? Um... What are the orcas called? What's the other name for orca? A blue whale? I don't know. No, I think they're still called orcas. Shamu? Oh, killer whales. <laughs> I think they call them killer whales. That's what it killer is. whales. See, I, I'm not about that life. Ask me about <laughs> reptiles, maybe. <laughs> but no. So um, I know recently you were on the American Air Gunner show. Yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't get to. I was looking for it online. But I saw some clips, and I mean, some of it is inspiring. I love that you are doing what you love. But you know, I saw you over there hunting rabbits. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> hey, look, people go to fancy restaurants for rabbits, and it's like, 
you know, and I see the Snake Fathers in here, so it's like, you know, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, if you care about organic food and where your food comes from, I'm telling you right now, the food you buy from the store does not taste like wild game meat. And then it really calls in the question, calls in the question, what are they putting in your store-bought meat? And it's like, it's fine. Like, I, I eat it, but, like, there's truly a difference between real wild game organic meat and store-bought meat. And you just feel different. Like, cleaner, like, your bowel movement's different. Like, it's just like there's a, there's a serious difference between the quality of meat. Okay, so with all this, all the game that you have tried, what is, what is your favorite, or what is the best kind of meat that you've had? I mean, all of it, but I mean, like turkey. Turkey still tastes like turkey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, venison has its own unique taste, but venison's very lean, and that's very good for you. Uh, I still haven't. I I have Catalina, which is like a type of ram. I still haven't eaten that yet because it's you know. It's very, very, you know, very good quality meat. Um, but, I mean, I eat bison from the store. Yeah. And I really, really like bison. Uh, and that's free range. And the thing is, like, in California, like, what free range means, like, I've gone to hunting areas where you can hunt in the area. Uh, I think I, like, posted on my story where, I, where me and my dog got chased by cows. So it's just like when I saw what free range really is, I was like, oh, this makes me feel a lot better because it's like free range, meaning like you can walk through this area and bump into cows type of deal. Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always see the cows on the side of the roads when I'm driving up to the north part of California. Yeah. I mean, I ask though, what made you transition into hunting? Is it something you've always done or? Well, so, I mean, part of it was like the pandemic kind of pushed us into different things, right? So for me, and I'd always thought about it, I just didn't really know how to get into it, as well as my grandfather hunted, and I just, I know where my family comes from. So there, it's very important for people to tap into their heritage if they want to remember who they are. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you can do that is just reconnecting with, reconnecting with nature. And the thing is, our our concept of hunting is shaped by like more so a narrative and anti-hunting. So when I tell you that I go hunting, it doesn't mean I'm out in the wilderness like killing animals. It can mean like I'm sitting out in the wilderness with my dog and we're just sitting there. Or oftentimes, what you see is just me and my dog walking through the wilderness, yeah, seeing the like tracking animals, seeing where things are, where like what's going like reading the news of the woods, right? Like yeah. seeing what animals you can bump into. Like that's what we consider hunting. And like less than 1% of that is the taking of an animal. So for me, it was about remembering who I am, reconnecting with my heritage and as well as reconnecting with nature in a unique way. I think as endurance athletes, we always run through nature and we're always outside. But once you start hunting, you start seeing things differently. I listen. Sometimes, like, all my stories, I'm like, you hear the crow. Like, I know when a crow is, like, sounding the alarm to the area when you're in. I pay attention to the squirrels. I pay attention to everything much differently now when I go on a run r rather than, like, before I was hunting. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So that does uh, prove a point right there. Well, it does help you, especially for trail runners, because they're out there and then there's all type of different animals that could possibly harm them just because they're not aware that they are there. And so knowing what these animals are usually doing or the signs to avoid certain areas is a Well, yeah, and on top of that, I can't tell you how many times you and I both live in California. We have mountain lions and bears. You should not be running on any trail with headphones on. <laughs> like, I run on trails, and, like, there are people running with headphones. And I'm like, look, I'm a six-foot, 200-pound dude. Like, I do not run through the woods or the backcountry because I've had, a, I've had a mountain lion stalk me, and it was literally the most terrified I can ever think of I've ever been because this mountain lion looks straight out of, like, a monster <laughs> – like movie it looked gnarly it looked like it was 250 pounds of meanness and it was like stocky and like angry and i remember just being like oh my gosh this is like real this is there's a mountain lion in front of me like 40 yards away like this thing should be behind a zoo like this is a lion <laughs> and i was like this is not happening right now that's so, crazy <laughs> so you know i say that because it's like you know we go to places you, like yosemite and uh all the different different places on the sierras uh where you know there's grizzlies bears moose and it's like you know if you are able to just tell the difference between different scat on the ground so that when you're out running and you're like all right i just saw some mountain lion scat i'm seeing some more mountain lion scat i'm seeing mountain lion and bear scat okay, I'm clearly in mountain lion and bear habitat, so I should be on high alert right now. And then, you know, if you come across, like, very fresh mountain lion or bear scat, as an endurance athlete, that should really, really raise alarm bells because you just don't want to come across, you know, a mama and her cubs. So do you feel being an endurance athlete helps you in situations where you will have to, like, maybe get away from these areas or these animals? Definitely, yeah, <laughs> because it's, like, also the same, like, in the same thing, I think hunting has helped me as an athlete for sure because it's, like, I now have the confidence, like, I can get dropped off in the middle of nowhere and I'll figure, like, I'll figure out how to get out of it. Like, I've been in some, some real, real sketchy situations, but you know, it really just allows you to have a better understanding of navigation, being able to read terrain and just kind of get an idea of where you're at. Definitely. Okay, so in triathlon, we know uh, there's a huge, you know, lack of diversity. And so the same thing is in hunting, I think even more so. Mm. Maybe not. So, sort of. <laughs> In terms of Mar, so this is why we started United Endurance Project, right? Yeah. It's hunting is where triathlon just was in the beginning of when I got into triathlon, which is like there wasn't any organized. There's no organizations around, right? Nobody knows anybody. No one's connected. So I was just like, all right, we need to create United Hunted organizations so that folks can see that we're out here. So if we're talking about like our heritage, like like my mom and my uncle would all have like their own hunting stories, right? Whereas like my mom and my uncle don't have triathlon stories, right? So yes, there's a large segment of the African-American population that have hunting heritage, but it's probably been severed somewhere. So it's like, I guarantee you if the majority of us were to ask our grandparents or our parents, they all probably have their own stories of fishing or some type of hunting, right? Whereas with triathlon, 
there isn't so much this, so much you know that but what you're seeing in hunting right now is the the hunting industry is waking up being like all right well the hunting industry is severely under attack and then the united hunters hunt, hunters united hunters project has come along and we said like hey what's happening to hunters it's actually hurting black and brown indigenous folks because there once there there used to be laws that kept us out of the wilderness right we've now gone back into the wilderness so now we're hiking we're camping we're doing endurance sports the last component of that is hunting and so certain people are working to prevent us from hunting so it's like you know if you're 2022 being a black black or brown person trying to stop and step into the hunting industry the barrier of entry it's low but yes there are zero influencers there's literally like it was like me that was just on on hunting and then there's another hunting but you're really talking about two black people out of like maybe 200 television shows on the hunting channel that had two black folks in it so we we do come from hunting so it's not like this isn't what we come from it's just again lack of representation you just we're just not there but this yeah. is what we come from yeah i was gonna say i've only seen you and one other person of color just scrolling and looking on different uh youtube channels and uh things on the web so i i was wondering about that and so tell us more about the united hunters project or is it a project i apologize yeah, so, right, there's two. So I created United Hunters Project and United Endurance Project. Mm -hmm. uh, United Hunters Project, our purpose is preserving Black, Brown, and Indigenous hunting heritage, as well as creating sustainable food systems, preserving uh, access to land, and helping provide clean access to water. So we actually uh, registered as an NGO so that we can be a little bit more aggressive of the things that we want to do, which is literally teach people sustainable food systems, like, you sometimes see on my stories, I, like I'm growing potatoes on my little small patio, right? It's yeah. teaching people to have that small garden, how to garden, how to ha eat, eat in a certain way that isn't overconsumption, right? I think a lot of people, I think that's another thing that hunting teaches us. It teaches us not to go to the store and buy up all this meat and fill it in our freezers. Like I buy what I need, make sure my freezer's stocked, and then I eat with what's in my freezer and then I go to the grocery store. So we really wanted to educate folks on the fact that this is our heritage, creating those sustainable food systems, as well as conservation, right? Oftentimes in North America, when people talk about conservation, they think about, you know, organizations that are run by white individuals. Whereas it's very important that some of us, like for instance, for me, my genealogy, I had traces of indigenous American in me. So it's like, wait a minute, if I come from these lands, how come folks like me aren't having a say on in conservation, what's going on in, with the hunting laws? So yeah. we needed to create an NGO so that black and brown people can have a seat at the table and make sure our voice was being heard. Definitely. Yes, I agree. I think we're really focused on representation at an entry level, not enough representation at ownership level. I was just having this conversation last night, sadly. But also, if anyone is interested in getting into hunting 
where, where would you suggest that they start? United Hunters Project. So we've got a, <laughs> we're, we're posting. <laughs> that's also what we're doing is just like we're trying to make it a one-stop shop. So like, for instance, when I first started hunting, I had to do all this research. I had to find out uh, about certain people. Uh, I would suggest people look up Holt Collier. He's, you know, he was a born slave that the the reason why Teddy Roosevelt has his name is because of Holt Collier. So I suggest you look up his name. But, you know, we have How to Hunt. We're going to be posting up articles. Uh, uh, my co-founder, Antonio Brown, posts up how, um, how to get started. So, again, I think a lot of people, when they think about hunting, they're thinking like, oh, you're just going out and grabbing a rifle, and then I'm going out into the woods and taking an animal. From our perspective, we suggest everyone start hunting with a bow. One, that's what we come from. I guarantee that if you went and picked up a compound bow or a recurve bow, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like I love this. Then if you're an endurance athlete, hunting with a bow is more the endurance athlete world rather than hunting with a rifle. With, with a bow, you have to spot and stalk, you have to track your game, you have to, you have to cover a significant amount of miles. So for me, my average hunting trip is I'm waking up at two o'clock three o'clock in the morning in the backcountry, right? Eat whatever breakfast, whatever, do your morning breakfast. And you're usually hiking 90 minutes to an hour before sunrise. So you're hiking in the dark first <laughs> where there's mountain lions and bears to get to where you're going. And then you have to climb some high cliff ridge line that's usually like a mile climb up in the dark is what you're climbing, sitting there waiting for the sun to rise looking to see if there's any animals. Oftentimes you see animals off in the distance. Then you got to figure out a way to cover two miles, extremely quiet, nothing sees you, oftentimes with a day's worth of water to see if you can get within 50 yards of an animal uh, when it comes to bow hunting. So that's all pure endurance. And if you look at my average hunting trip, we're talking about, you know, eight-hour days, eight, ten-hour days in the backcountry, and covering roughly anywhere from eight to 10 miles with a 60 pound backpack. So. It's, yeah, an endurance event right there. You know, that sounds really, really fun actually. It is. It's, 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 honestly, I tell people it's literally you're taking your bow for a hike, right? You're, you're, you're essentially rucking. And the only thing is, is that if you do end up having a su successful hunting trip and you have a 60 pound backpack, <laughs> Wait, if you do have a successful hunting trip, how do you get the game back? Do you plus the sixty-pound backpack? You have to carry that as well. <laughs> that's, oh, the, that's, that's that's hunting for you. It's not. It's not like oh, yeah, like you know, there's a helicopter and then the, and then <laughs> someone you know and then no, it's like you know, if you're five miles back in the back country, like you've got to figure out a way to get that animal out of there. So I actually carry, um, uh, I carry a coffee bag with me. And then obviously what you'll do is, you know, if you, you know, quarter it the same way, like if you, you know, got a chicken, right. And you're just putting it in a Ziploc bag, you do that with a larger animal. I put it in a coffee bag and you're talking about anywhere from 150 to additional 200 pounds that you're then carrying out. For a deer. Wow. So that's why it's good to have a hunting partner. <laughs> well, it's, 
but that's why it's like if you get into hunting, you you are you're always going to ask yourself a serious question. Like, hey, I'm completely fine going out into the wilderness with my bow, seeing an animal and not taking it, and just being like, okay, that's cool. I could have hunted it, but I didn't. And that was really exciting. Um, uh, but also, it's like you know, my like right now where my freezer's getting low on wild game meat. It's like you know, now it's like a little bit more serious. Like like I treat it more like no, I'm really trying to put food in my freezer. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, sounds fun. I didn't know so much about hunting. <laughs> Just this conversation alone has taught me an, a lot and intrigued my interest. Oh, uh, I love what you're doing, as always. Um, is there any anything else that you have coming up or are... Actually, I got a whole bunch of things coming up. I just haven't said anything about it because I'm too busy training. I actually have a huge TV opportunity that's coming up. <clears throat> that's going to be, uh, you know, I believe we're going through the testing phase. So I don't know if it's 100% sure, but I'm also under the, percent, uh, under the impression that it's likely, uh, which will be like one of those survival shows. Um, like, I'll just stop it there. So it's like right now, like how I've been training myself is like, I'm preparing to get dropped off in the middle of nowhere while also preparing to do a whole bunch of triathlons and Spartan races and like fill in a whole bunch. Of, like I'm getting ready to race a lot and then disappear and then hopefully come back to race. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what this show is. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> definitely and then um yeah uh what races do you have coming up i have some local races that i'm definitely planning on doing just because you know living here in the bay area some of these races are very very old races so if you can get you know those wind underneath your belt that's always a big deal so i always you know i want to get some races in in santa cruz uh depending on who's watching this half moon bay is one of my favorite races i won't tell you which distance i'm signing up for but uh before the pandemic, I think I ha I won that sprint like the past two years. So, focus on uh, Half Moon Bay uh, and then some other races in May. We'll see what June has in store, but that television show is going to be around there. So, um, right. race hard and then disappear and then see what I can race in the back half and do a few Spartan races and some trail races. Well, good luck. I'll be watching to see oh. <laughs> to see you win again. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you on TV again. Because, uh, wait, you uh, did the million dollar mile with uh, LeBron James. Yeah. From the Spartan Games last season. Sure. And you're on the American Air Gunners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're becoming quite a TV star. <laughs> it's been a goal of mine was like I really wanted these TV opportunities and now they're being presented to me so it's like you know I'm living out the dream so just staying healthy and staying focused and working hard well thank you so much for joining me today and uh, congratulations on everything and yeah let's talk again after uh, you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> all right thank you thanks <laughs>